And you guys can have a seat. So uh, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And in your seat or the seat next to you is this thing. It is an Easter invite card, and it is our hope that you will uh, give these cards out to your friends and family. <clears throat> Growing up, there was a group of people that uh, we called the C and E Club, the Christmas and Easter only Christian club. Um, and so if, we, man, may they come on Easter, and may they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. May they be encouraged and saved. So bring them here. So those people who might come, those people who might not come, go ahead and invite them. And uh, here's, here's an easy way to do that. That would be wonderful. All right, so Pastor Steve is on vacation. And uh, so I'm here to, to give the word this morning. And I want to start out with a, uh, with a question for you. The question is this, if the Apostle Paul was alive today and he was praying for us here at Cornerstone, what would he pray for? What would he be praying for? You know, Paul often was praying for the churches. He writes that. In fact, he often he uses the term unceasing. He is always, he's always praying for the church. You know, like, all right, what's Paul doing? Oh, he's over in that corner praying for the church in Philippi. He's over there praying for the church in Colossae. And so if he was praying for the church at Cornerstone, what would he be praying for? And I think the answer is this. He would be praying for illumination. He would be asking God to illuminate our understanding that we might understand the word of God and be changed. He would be praying for illumination. Illumination uh, just means turning the lights on. The last time there was the, the power was out in your house and you were working, you said, oh, I need some light. Well, if you were feeling extra fancy, you might have said, I need some illumination. All right, so that's all it is, is just turning on the lights. Suddenly what was dark all around you in this room, if we're still in that analogy, all around you in the room, it's dark. You can't find your keys. They're hidden because of darkness, but now illumination happens. The lights come on and you can see. So that is illumination in the physical world, and what Paul would be praying for is spiritual illumination. The lights coming on, the hidden things becoming clear. It says in Ephesians 1, he says he's unceasingly praying that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. In Colossians 1, he says he unceasingly prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so that is our subject this morning, is illumination. And what we're going to do, we just have three parts to this sermon. It is one, what it is, two, what it is not, and three, application. And so before we dive in, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to look into your word, and we pray that you would illuminate our understandings, that you'd open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see what is in your word. Lord, may it not return void, but as we have come here to worship you and to praise you through song and through this, God, we pray that you'd be with us and be working in us for your glory. Help us understand, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is one of those Holy Spirit sermons, and Holy Spirit sermons can be controversial a lot of the time because because we, we have these 
these issues that we like to talk about, whether there is healing today, whether there are, whether the prophecy, uh, whether prophecy in the Old Testament is present in the New Testament, whether speaking in tongues is is a thing that happens today. And I think that's really unfortunate because as important as those things are, they distract from the regular daily work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is active and working in your life on a regular basis. He lives inside of you every day. That's called indwelling. He's working to sanctify you, to make you holy and conforming to the image of Christ. He fills you. We're commanded to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18, resulting in praise and boldness. He assures us of our salvation, salvation witnessing with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit prays for us, and he gives gifts to the church, even more boring ones like administration, not just prophecy and speaking in tongues. Praise God for you that are into administration. He leads us. Romans 8 says, if you're filled with the Spirit, he leads you. And of course, he illuminates our minds to understand the Word of God. It is unfortunate that the Holy Spirit can be controversial because he is very active And we want to understand and apply his work. So today, illumination, what it is, what it isn't, and how to apply the doctrine to our daily lives. And to do this first part, we're going to stick with the definition. So we've got this definition, and we're just going to go chunk by chunk. We're just going to unpack it, and that's how we're going to do it. All right. So here's our definition. Illumination is the Holy Spirit's work of opening the eyes of the heart to see truth and glory in the Word of God. Illumination is the Holy Spirit's work of opening our eyes, opening the eyes of our hearts to see truth and glory in the Word of God. So as we unpack this definition, we need to go to a very important verse in Psalm 119, verse 18. Maybe some of you have heard of John Piper. Have you heard of John Piper? He's a famous pastor out there, really cool dude. I shook his hand once. It was pretty normal. Um, but, uh, so John Piper is, uh, is this famous pastor, and whenever he comes to the Word of God, he prays four things, and this is one of them. He prays this, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law, Psalm 19, 18. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. There was nothing wrong with the psalmist's eyes, his physical eyes. He could open them and he can close them at will or not thinking, about the, not, not thinking about it much, just like you and I. He knew, vi- But at the same time, he knew very well that it was possible to see without seeing. It was possible to see with your physical eyes, but to be missing something spiritually. So may, maybe he picked that up as he's, as he's looking at his Israelites around him, noticing that they're all in synagogue, but some of them are loving the word of God and some of them are not that into it. Or as he writes later, he says, this is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life. And so maybe he's seeing some people that are like, oh man, God's word, God's promises give me life and give me comfort. And then other people hearing the same thing and not, it's not registering with them. I'm sure many of you have found comfort in the promises of God. And yet maybe your neighbor in your neighborhood has not. 
So maybe, maybe, maybe he's just seen great change as, as he's grown older. Maybe he's seen change when people learn the word of God. He writes this as well. It says, the unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple one way or another. He came to understand that he can read the text with open physical eyes and closed spiritual ones. And so he learned that he needed to ask the Lord, the giver of the word, to open his eyes to behold the wondrous things out of his law. This is the same thing that Jesus says after his parables. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. As it is the same as Ephesians 1, where Paul prays that God would enlighten the eyes of their hearts. Everyone in here has physical eyes and spiritual eyes. And while you can open your physical eyes very easily, it is the Holy Spirit who only who can open your spiritual eyes. We need illumination. We need him to open our eyes. And so next part, illumination is the Holy Spirit's work of opening the eyes of the heart to see truth, to see truth and glory in the word of God. And so I just, I quoted Ephesians 1, it's, you know, open the eyes of your heart, but in, in the Hebrew understanding, the mind and the heart are, for our purposes, the same thing, all right? So illumination is a, really about the mind. It's about the understanding. When the eyes of your heart open, you understand something. This is, we're talking about the ability to see truth as truth, to say that is true and to understand it. So here's 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 14. This is illumination here. So Paul says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And now here's the other side. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. All right, this, this text gives us two kinds of people. It gives us spiritual and natural, spiritual and natural. And the spiritual person is not spiritual because they like incense or, or they like beads instead of a solid door. They're not, it's not spiritual as in they're kind of new agey. It's spiritual as in the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. That's what makes them spiritual. And then the natural person on the other side if we were talking about cars, they'd be stock. They're the, the run of the mill. They're the, the normal person. In our fallen world, the natural person is spiritually dead and spiritually has closed eyes. You remember Genesis 2, and the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may, sh- may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam and Eve did eat, and Adam and Eve died that day not physically, but spiritually and physically later. 
And that is confirmed by Paul in Ephesians 2, saying, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you, in which you once walked. The natural person, the normal person in this fallen world is spiritually dead and blind. And so this text has, that says the Holy Spirit makes a spiritual person understand the things of God. The Holy Spirit does not make the natural person understand the things of God. The spiritual person accepts the things of God. The natural person rejects the things of God. They are folly to him. I think about a friend of mine who, uh, who came to church with me when I was in middle school, and that day the, the pastor just felt warmed of heart and said, all right, guys, we are all going to get on our knees and pray, which was quite an ordeal because we were in these tight pews, and so we had to turn around and, and pray, and my friend was just disgusted by this. He said, like, how could these rational people be getting on their knees and bow down to an invisible deity? He was not able to understand. If my friend could see a glimpse of the, the power and majesty and glory and worth and authority of the king on the throne, if he could, under, if he could see that, he'd understand why God is worthy of a little bit of bowing and prayer. The natural person does not accept the things of God, for they are folly to him. 2 Corinthians 2 says it this way, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Or this in John 3, and this is the judgment, the, dark, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is how bad things are in this world. Apart from God doing something, we are spiritually dead. Apart from God coming down and, and sacrificing himself for our sins, then we would all be spiritually dead. And so praise God for Jesus Christ our Redeemer who has come to earth to take the penalty of our sins, and the Holy Spirit takes that and applies it to us individually that we might live and be alive, and then he illuminates the Word of God to us. It says in Colossians 1, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Praise the Lord. And so here's my point. The point for this section is that illumination pertains to the understanding, seeing truth as truth and understanding what that truth means. That's, that's the, the world we're in when it comes to illumination. And so some of you might be thinking, but Jason, the, the text that you brought out before are actually written to Christians, not to non-Christians. Is anyone actually thinking that? I don't know. I don't know how much you guys are dissecting this. And, uh, and the, the answer is yes. We're going to cover that later on, but here's the point. Just as non-Christians as non are dead without the Holy Spirit, so Christians are dull without the Holy Spirit. You do not become God when you are saved. You are just as dependent upon him for understanding. But we're going to get into that later. So the Christians and non-Christians need illumination. And so the next in our text, illumination is the Holy Spirit's work of opening the eyes of the heart to see truth and glory in the Word of God. When the Spirit illuminates the Word, we see more than just facts. We see the glory associated with those facts, the truth, the beauty, the wonder connected to the things of God. 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to read a familiar verse, and maybe, maybe you did, maybe you didn't know. This was about illumination. This is, this is a case study on illumination. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. And notice, again, Paul is praying for them. But here we go. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, there are a lot of clauses in that chunk of scripture, but Paul is praying for this. He is praying that the Holy Spirit would strengthen your inner being so that you can understand something, so that you can comprehend something, so that you can know something. This is about the understanding, but then again, it's, it's more than that, because Paul, like Paul, they know that God loves them in Christ. He has been out of Ephesus for two years preaching the gospel to them. They know this, so they know the facts. We know the facts. But Paul is praying that they would really get the facts, that they wouldn't just know it, but that they would see it with the eyes of their hearts. That they would know the love of Christ, but know the vastness, comprehend the bigness, the height, the depth, the length, the breadth, the majesty, and the beauty of the gospel. More than just facts, but the glory associated with that. These things of God that we are understanding come with glory. Remember, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. And the, the truth is beautiful. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us see it. And that is part of what illumination is. We are dull without him. Lastly, illumination is the Holy Spirit's work of opening the eyes of the heart to see truth and glory in the word of God, in the word of God. In the word of God preached, and the word of God read, and the word of God remembered. That is the context of illumination. Again, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. Out of your law. It is in the word of God preached, the word of God read, the word of God remembered. That is the, that is the fuel, that is the thing the Holy Spirit uses. That is the context of illumination. And so we're going to talk about that more in the next section. And so we made it through number one. So what is illumination? Now we know we're going to talk about what illumination is not. You guys doing okay? All right. What illumination is not. Two things under this point. Illumination is not inspiration. Illumination is not inspiration. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The theological term for this is inspiration. God breathed the scriptures into existence through the pens and personalities of various men and women. And as they say, God breathed and God does not have bad breath. God inspired a perfect, infallible scripture. The Bible is not wrong. That ESV sitting in the chair back in front of you, as, as far as it accurately represents the original writings, is the very word of God. But here is where some people get a little weird. Here's where some people get wonky. 
They think like, here's the reasoning, ready? They say, all right, the Holy Spirit inspired the Old Testament prophets to write an infallible Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit inspired the New Testament apostles to write an infallible New Testament. So I, that same Holy Spirit lives in me, so I guess the things I say are on, on equal footing with the Old Testament and the New Testament. In other words, they believe that when they feel that something was said to them by the Holy Spirit, that it is equal to Scripture or even superior to Scripture. This is where people get wonky. And the whole house of cards falls down. The classic example of this, of this is the Quakers. I assume Quaker oatmeal is related to the Quakers. If you know, tell me after this. My kids have oatmeal all the time, so I'm looking at that little Quaker face all the time. All right, so the, the Quakers, they are and were a Christian-ish denomination started by a guy named George Fox in the 1600s. And Fox, he wasn't too bad, but his followers got a little weird. So to the point where back then and today, their churches, here's what happens in a Quaker church for most of them. So you, you go into the church, you're, you're quiet, and then you all sit down, and you all just wait for the Spirit to speak to somebody. And when that happens, this person stands up and says the message and then sits down. And then the next person stands up and says the message and sits down. And people just share what the Spirit said. Now, is it, is it any surprise that they stop believing the basic doctrines of Christianity, including salvation by grace alone through faith alone? Is it any surprise that they have strayed from what is true, what the Spirit has already revealed? I went to uh, the Quaker modern website, and uh, here's, here's one of the things it said under beliefs. The Quaker faith, I think it's up there, yeah. Quaker faith has deep Christian roots. Many Quakers consider themselves Christians, and some do not. Many Quakers find meaning and value in the teachings of many faiths. So, so you, can, you can be a Quaker and not be a Christian, and that's cool. You can be a Quaker in good standing and not even believe in Jesus Christ. And that's chill. That's okay. Like, what, what kind of a denomination is that? Is the word of God, oh, no, the word of God is not being preached there. Is the truth being learned? No, this is so backwards that you can be in this thing and not be a Christian. Or here's another quote, and this is very instructive. It says, Quakers strive, and again, this is what, this is their website. Quakers strive to live lives that are guided by a direct encounter with the divine more than by teachings about the divine. And so they are more interested in a direct encounter with the Holy Spirit than they are in what the Holy Spirit has revealed about Jesus Christ. They are not interested in the one the Holy Spirit loves and magnifies. They want to get a little message from the Holy Spirit themselves. This kind of thing damns people because then you are apart from the gospel. Their kids are being raised without the word of God, without the gospel, because they feel like the spirit talking to them is better. Mark it down, Cornerstone. Illumination is not inspiration. You are not an apostle. You are a child of God saved by the blood of Jesus Christ who has freely given the truth. But that illumination is not inspiration. And I, and I want to push on this just a little bit more because there, there might be a verse coming to mind and I want to explain it. 
So John 14, 25 and 26 says this. So Jesus, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all I've said to you. That sounds pretty Quakery. All right, that sounds like maybe we can just sit in a circle and the Holy Spirit will tell us some things. He will reveal some truth to us. But here's the problem. These things I'm spoken to you while I'm still with you. Does that qualify? Is anyone with Jesus to be, qual- to be one who is, this is being talked about? That didn't make sense. Sorry. Let me try again. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. Okay. This is talking to people who are with Jesus Christ. He is talking to the apostles. I do not qualify for that. All right. This is... This is written specifically to certain people and not to any of us because none of us were with Jesus while he was here on the earth. It's just not about us. This is not about you. Jesus hasn't physically said anything to you. He said these things to the apostles, and this text promises inspiration of the New Testament through the apostles, not the inspiration of your thoughts. Later on in the same conversation, the same apostles, to the, to the same apostles, so John, what, 13 to 17, it's all one conversation with the apostles, not us. But Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And guys, as John MacArthur points out in a quote we're going to read soon, the all truth has been written down for you. The spirit will open your eyes to that all truth, but the all truth in that text is the all truth that the apostles are given. The apostles are helped to remember. The apostles are taught. That's what Colossians is. That's what Romans is. That's what 1 Peter is. It is written down for us, and the Spirit illuminates that. Illumination is not inspiration. And here is John MacArthur on this. I didn't give you the, the words up there because it's a little bit chunky, but here you go. John MacArthur says, let me tell you something. You must get this, that the Spirit's ministry in you The Spirit's teaching ministry, the anointing in you, is to teach you the meaning of the Bible, the meaning of Scripture. It is not about some kind of esoteric, extra-biblical inspiration or some revelation out of the air. The Spirit's anointing ministry, and that's 1 John 2, the Spirit's anointing ministry teaches you all things, and the all things He teaches you are the all things that He has revealed in Scripture. He is the interpreter of Scripture to the faithful student. This is his ministry. All that to say, uh, the things you think while you're reading the scripture are not infallible truth. You got it, right? The things that you think while you're in a spiritual state of mind are not infallible. You are not an apostle and sitting in the room waiting for illumination from the spirit apart from the word of God is a dead end. And so that's our first what illumination is not. Illumination is not inspiration. All right, so the next one, the, the second one, is illumination is not omniscience. Illumination is not omniscience. So I lead a Bible study on Thursday nights at Howard Davis's place, and so, of course, I use them as guinea pigs for this material. And they were great guinea pigs. You're a great guinea pig, Howard. <laughs> Rabbit trails for the guinea pigs. All right, and uh, so... So when we, were, when we were doing that, a question came up, and I think it is an extremely important question. And it is this. You can throw it up there. If the Holy Spirit illuminates the word to us, can we still be wrong in our interpretation of the word? 
because it seems like there have been some differences in Christian interpretation of the word, right? We're, we are kind of Baptisty. there's Presbyterians, there's Methodists, there's Episcopalians, people disagreeing about the interpretation of the word. If we're all just filled with the Spirit and he's illuminating the scriptures to us, why don't we all just believe the same thing? Now, what's going on with that? And so I want to hit that with three answers. Three answers. So when a Christian, friends, is taught by the Spirit, he or she is not given all knowledge and understanding at once. That's not how it works. There is one with all knowledge and all understanding, and that is God. And God is not you. And God is not planning on making you God. Spoiler. So let me, show, let me show you the plan, all right? Let me show you how this, how this tends to work. So 2 Timothy 2.7. So Paul has just written some inspired word for Timothy. And Paul knows that Timothy might not understand it right away. So what does he do? He tells Timothy, think it over. That's his advice. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So notice, it's not think over what I say and whatever you think is, is good enough. Like God really will... In, uh, and illuminate, God will give him an answer. But three steps, Timothy, dude, Timothy, read it, meditate on it, and the Lord will give you understanding. In other words, here's what I'm saying, you trying to understand is a part of it. God doesn't make it automatic. There is a process here. There's a, a, learning, uh, a learning curve. After the first uh, service, um, a dude walked up to me and said that he's an engineer, and he has to explain engineering things to people who aren't engineers all the time. And so what he has to do is, is just kind of like give him, he said, an onion of truth. It's kind of a layer you go to. You have to tell him, all right, engineering is kind of like this. And then as you get deeper, let me tell you more. And as you get deeper, let me tell you more. Wouldn't, wouldn't theology, wouldn't the real things about God be like that too? We're learning, we're growing. And so that is one of the ways, one of the reasons that our interpretations differ is because we're all growing on a growing path. Doesn't all happen at once. Answer number two is this. Not everything that you think is illumination is illumination. Have you ever been really excited about something in the word only to find out that your interpretation of that was not true? That's, I've done that a bunch. Yeah, Sean's done that. In, uh, he, ra he raised his hand, I didn't just call him out. Um, in Psalm 23, it says, you will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so I thought, wow, um, there's this table, you're in the dark valley, there's enemies crawling all around in these rocks, and God just sets a table, and you're just hanging out with God, and God's protecting you. And I was like, that's a beautiful picture, I love it. And then I went to seminary, oh man. And uh, at seminary they said that what's happening there most likely is that he's switching from the shepherd metaphor to the king metaphor. Like, those two are linked all the time. Go to Isaiah and stuff, they'll be talking about kings, and they'll be talk, referring to them as shepherds. And so what's happening there is, is most likely that instead of, now you're not in the valley, now you are in a victory feast. And all your enemies are at, at the table with you in chains because you won. So God prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You won. That's, that's what it's saying. Unfortunately... No, it's, it's good. It's still good. And so illumination, so that me getting excited about my interpretation did not mean that that is what is actually true. 
you getting excited about what you see in the Word does not mean that that's what the text actually says. We get excited about things that are not true all the time. And so you just getting excited, you saying, this, this is what it is, doesn't necessarily mean that's what it is. So that's another reason that our interpretations can be different, because we think that we got it right and we don't. Lastly, on this point, we can be wrong in our interpretation because the Spirit does not show us everything at once. I already said that, but someone who's smarter will say it better. So here is Sinclair Ferguson. He's a professor at Westminster Theological Seminary and now at Reformed Theological Seminary. He knew Martin Lloyd-Jones, which is super cool. Um, if you, whatever. And he's Scottish. It's probably the, his best qualification. So, yeah. Um, so in, in his book about the Holy Spirit, creatively called the Holy Spirit, he says this about illumination. It's up there. He says, this no more means that the regenerated individual understands everything at the moment of regeneration than a blind man receiving his sight sees everything immediately and simultaneously. He sees what his eyes are fixed on when sight is given to them. And this is then placed in a wider context. So it is with those who are born from above and have their spiritual understanding illuminated. The Spirit teaches you something, not everything all at once. He teaches you something, then He teaches you another thing. And as we go through this process, as we go through this process, our interpretations will differ from one another. Get that? We are all learning. We are all easily deceived about what is or isn't illumination, and the Spirit teaches us little by little. That is why interpretations can be different. And this might be disappointing to you. Um, this might make, make you even question whether illumination is real at all. But remember, there was a time when the things of God seemed pointless to you. And now you come here, and you love to worship this God, and you glory in the truths of the gospel and you learn and you learn. Yes, the Spirit has opened your eyes, and may He illuminate more and more and more, but that illumination is not omniscience. You tracking? You good? Laban's tracking. All right, good. All right, so, so that's what it is, what it is not, and now application. And confession here, these applications I've already given you, but we're going to go over them again. Application number one, just like Paul, just like the psalmist, pray to God for illumination. Pray that God would illuminate your understandings and pray that for others. We have a clear biblical model. What would Paul likely be praying for you if he was around? He'd be praying that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened to know the things of God. And so follow his example and pray and ask as I mentioned earlier, John Piper always prays Psalm 119, 18 before he reads the word. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. Follow his example. Before you study the word privately, before you study the word with people and family devotions, before your Bible studies, as you're listening to sermons, pray that the Spirit would illuminate your understanding. Pray, pray, pray. Ephesians 1, a prayer for this. Ephesians 3, a prayer for this. Colossians 1, a prayer for this. Please pray. Application number two, think it over. A minute ago, we read 2 Timothy 2.7. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Do not bypass your brain. He wants you to love him with all of your mind. Think it over. Bust out the commentaries. Read the study notes. Ponder it. 
Be like the guy in Psalm 1 who meditates on the word day and night. You know, it's easy to put devotions on the back burner, but cornerstone for your good, that you may be a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Do not give up on the word. Keep going. Sometimes reading the scriptures can be like eating dry bread, right? It's just like, I'm just doing this because I have to. But keep going, keep thinking. The one who illuminates is near. He's inside of you. Ask him. I quote this verse all the time, Hebrews 11:6. I think it is so profound and important for our lives. It says, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So continue seeking him. There is reward. Think it over. And number three, depend on him. There is, maybe, I think I'm accurate in saying there's nothing in the Christian life that you do on your own power. You're saved by God's grace. Sanctification happens as you work with God. It's synergistic. Is there anything in the Christian life that you do alone? Friends, let it be a default in your heart to depend upon the Lord. Paul Washer is a, is a cool pastor, and uh, he did this, he gave us this illustration, I guess, analogy. He said, uh, imagine that I'm wa- you walk into the room, and I'm laying on the ground, and I'm not going to do it, because then I'll, Seth will lose me on cameras, but I'm lay- you'll be laying on the ground, and, he, and he's just pulling at his belt, and you're like, Paul Washer, what are you doing, man? And Paul Washer would say, oh, I'm trying to get myself up, and he's pulling on his belt. And you're like, dude you're not going to be able to get up that way. Like you'd, need, you'd need, what, a forklift to come in here and lift you up by the belt if you're going to stand up by your belt. And that, that's, that's us with reading the Word. We're not going to do it on our own. And forgive me for this, but we need the Holy Spirit forklift to come and lift us up on our own. We're toast, we're dull, we're dead. But by His grace, As the Spirit illuminates our understandings, we can know and understand and see the glory in the Word of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you indeed, Lord. And and we ask now that as we sing one more song and as we go out, Lord, that you would illuminate the text I guess, illuminate our minds to see the beautiful things that are already and truly there. Lord, would we love Christ more because you show us Christ? Would we walk in strength and in holiness because you open our eyes? Oh, Lord, if anyone is in here who has not been saved, I pray, Lord, that you would open their eyes to the truth of the gospel mightily, but it's something that you must do. So please be with us this week. Please help us and please glorify your name and glorify your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Lastly here, um, if you, there we go, if you want to talk to a pastor, uh, we would love to talk to you for real. We'll meet with you at Panera or whatever, but I think the only sanctified place is Panera because that's where all pastors meet all people. Um, but if you want to meet with one of us, then text uh, that number to 
No, text pastor to that number. That's how texting works. And, uh, and we would love to meet with you. Like if you have questions about God, question if you, whatever, come and, come and text and hang out with us. All right, Stan.